I want us to look at the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 14. But let me, let me give you three statements, okay? I think these are powerful, life-giving statements that if you and I could make in our lives, well, it, it could have a tremendous impact and really teach us the secret of contentment itself. I want to give you these three. Let me just give them to you. I'm not trying to hide anything from you tonight, all right? I want to give you the three statements and look at how Paul really fleshes these out for us in Philippians chapter 4. First, that you can make the statement, I am joyful. I'm joyful. Number two, I am content. And number three, I'm grateful. Let me say, if we can learn to make those three statements and truly mean those in our hearts and lives, how life-giving that truth would be to us. To think that we can be joyful, content, and grateful in who we are. Listen to what Paul says. Paul, again, he's writing from house rest. I believe he's in Rome, okay? He is imprisoned, if you call it that. He is there. He is writing to the church at Philippi. He's encouraging them in their joy. He's encouraging them in their unity. I love his approach, especially in chapter 4, because he has encouraged certain individuals to come together in a reconciled relationship. He's encouraged them to come back together in unity. And after doing that, he actually compliments the church itself on its ministry. I, I think that's a wise preacher, right? Call them out and then thank them at the same time. It's, it's a good way of where he addresses the issues, but then he comes back and he determines how much he cares for them and how grateful he is. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. It, it's bloomed. It's blossomed. Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. So listen to the statements that Paul makes in this passage. He says, first of all, I am joyful. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, he, he's looking at the whole situation. He's looking at how this church has given to him. This church has been a blessing to him. Look, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, you'll see Paul's relationship with that early Philippian church, how he founded it. He loved them. He loved them dearly. That's the reason he's writing to them. Remember that Paul would often go back around. After he planted a church, he would go visit them. He would pray for them. And he would often write them because he loved those churches. And he loved the Philippian church. They had this great relationship. And he says, hey, I'm grateful. I'm joyful in the Lord. I'm going to get back to that statement in a moment. But notice he says, because now your concern for me has blossomed once again. Not that you ever didn't think about me or not that you were ever critical of me. He said, but now you have the opportunity and you have blessed me. Remember that Epaphroditus has come from Philippi to minister to him. Epaphroditus actually grew sick when he was there, taking care of Paul, encouraging Paul on behalf of the Philippians, and now he's being sent back. But basically Paul says, hey, I'm grateful. I recognize what you've done and how you've sent this individual. He says, 
But I want you to know that I am joyful in the Lord. I rejoiced in the Lord. Now, in verse 10, in our English translations, I think it's a little bit misleading. Because notice, in verse 10, it says, I rejoiced. That, where where are my English folks? My grammar people? Anybody? Bill Cox? You can Google it on your phone real quickly. Could you do this? Uh, You look at I rejoice, that's in what type of voice? Active voice, right? Active, that I rejoiced. Come on, folks, you got it. This is the, we have great educational system here in Lincoln Parish. We have colleges, universities. You're all into this, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Lemon icebox pie is waiting. Just know, all right? Just know it's coming. In the English translation, it's in an active voice. In the original language, it's passive voice. Why is that significant? Because it means I was made glad. The idea is that Paul wasn't necessarily the one that was activating the joy. Somebody else was activating the joy in his heart and life. Who? Well, if I look at the context, God himself was giving him this joy. God himself was moving upon Paul to give him the joy that he needed. Now, he was able to say, I'm joyful, but it was because the Lord had given him this joy. Actually, in verse 10, when he says, I was made glad in Lord. I love the way the original language is, in Lord. Like, in Him. Like, my joy comes in Him. What a great confession. To know that you can be joyful and to recognize that that joy comes in the Lord. You know, I think we as God's people ought to be the most joyful people others encounter. I really do. I I think the joy of God should exude from us when we're out in the community, when we're out about our business. I just think we ought to be people of joy. Now, I'm not saying that that's just an emotional state. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that despite the circumstances, you can still have joy. See, circumstances drive our emotions, and they do. I will tell you that I can be up and down emotionally. Any of you? Depending on the circumstance, depending on the Saturday, if your football team wins or not, we can all be affected by emotion, by the circumstances of emotion. We all can do that. I'm not telling you that we're always emotionally up But what I'm saying to you is that despite the circumstances, and especially as you read this context, that's what Paul is saying, is that despite the circumstances, I have have been made glad by the Lord. I have a joy in my heart and in my life. And it is a distinct action. If you look again at the original language, the tense of this verb says that it was something that happened decisively. Like, I have been given this joy decisively. I, what's, that, what's that old song? I've got the joy, joy. What is it, what is it Jeremy? Down in, Down in my heart. 
man, we're going to break out in revival here tonight. Do you see all this? Like, you all haven't been this active in weeks. I don't know what. I got the joy, joy. Somebody has said that that should be like the theme of the book of Philippians. Is that I've got the joy, joy down in my heart. The joy of the Lord. Look. And when the joy of the Lord has invaded your heart and when your joy is in Him and it's not in all the other things going on around you, then you know that you can remain steadfast. Then you know that you can have life-giving presence every day. Because this is it. Circumstances change. Paul will relate those. Circumstances change. God does not. The reason I can say I'm joyful is because my God is still the same today as He was yesterday. And He'll be the same tomorrow as He was today. Because I can trust Him. I can believe in Him. My joy comes from Him. That word there, greatly. Original language, megalos. Mega, megalos. I kind of like that because you can kind of hear it, right? This is some mega joy. That's what he says. This is some mega joy that God has brought in my life. I say again that we as God's people ought to be the most joyful people. Why? Because we represent the most joyful being in the universe. I said earlier today we're the most giving people because we represent the most giving individual in the universe. Well, he's the most joyful as well. He is not some cosmic killjoy that's trying to zap us every time we do something wrong. If you have that view of God, you have a perverted view of God. A distorted view of God. The God that I know and the God that you should know is the God that loved us so much that he sent Jesus for our benefit. Because he wanted to demonstrate his love for us. And he is a God who has taken joy in our salvation. Heaven itself rejoices, right? When one individual comes to know that salvation... All of heaven itself rejoices. What a party God throws when an individual comes to know him. We can rejoice in him. I hope and pray that tonight you can say that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I hope you can simply say, I'm joyful. Second statement. And it's very similar. It's very close. But to be able to say, I'm content. In all circumstances. Not only am I joyful, but I am content. Now, they are very close together. But notice, he says in verse 11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul says, don't hear me poor-mouthing. Don't hear me talking about my days here in Rome and how bad it is and all of that stuff. He said, I don't want to tell you that kind of stuff. This is very difficult for me. Because when I'm encountering misery, I like other people to encounter it with me. Any of you kind of, I mean, I love to throw a pity party. I do. I like to invite people to it. I put me, myself, and I at the top, and then I invite everybody else to come. Because I like to be able to say, hey. And and look, Paul could go on and say, you know, I'm I'm in prison. But remember, earlier in in this book, this little letter, he says that this imprisonment, This bondage has actually turned out for something good, right? That the witness of Christ has actually 
been encouraged. So he says, don't hear me poor-mouthing. Don't hear me telling you all of my sad story. He said, instead, just know that God has taught me something here. I have learned that whatever state I am, to be content. Again, that word learned means that there is a decisive action that has taken place in my heart and life. Like God has had to do something decisive and distinctive in me. But also the word learned itself is like a process. I mean, the very act of learning is a process. Here he says, I've learned. In our lives as we grow in Christ, as we grow in our maturity, we should learn to be content. Now I'll tell you, there are days it's difficult to say, hey, I'm content with this with where I am, with what's going on. But if we grow in Christ, if we learn, we can see how God will work on us to demonstrate contentment in our life. Some, some translators back in the day actually would have translated the word contentment as self-sufficient. It's actually the word that was used in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning when I talked about the all-sufficiency. That God gives us. Remember the all's verse? This was going to be a quick message. If I have to do a review, it's going to get more difficult for you. All sufficiency is the way Paul spoke about it early. All contentment, all sufficiency. Some of the old Greek minds would have said, oh, this is self-sufficiency. No. Paul uses this word in in a way to demonstrate sufficiency in Christ, in God. This is not self-sufficiency. This is the contentment that we have through Him, that we can be sufficient in Him no matter what is going on around us, no matter what the circumstances are. He says, I have learned this. And look in verse 12. I know how to be abased. That word know means to know as a matter of fact. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, I have learned this secret of contentment. It is also interesting that the Apostle Paul uses a word that would have been used in the Greek culture to speak about mystic religions, mystic secrets. You know, kind of like certain religions, they've got kind of this... They've got this inside track here. They, they can get to a, content, a contented part of their life through this mystical experience. Paul takes their word. He brings it over to the New Testament. He says, hey, this is not about your mystical religion. He said, I, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul here. I am the one that has found the secret of contentment. And it is, again, in Christ Jesus. It is in Him. He is the fulfillment, not your mystery religions. He says Christ Jesus is the one that gives us contentment no matter what situation we are in. He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I've been studying on Wednesday night the life of Joseph. And I'll tell you that as I've gone through that study, God has challenged me. I I love the study that I've been working through. 
And uh, I hope it shows when we come together on Wednesday night because God's just really been challenging me. Challenging me in the sense of finding ourselves content whether we're in the pit or we're Potiphar's house or we're in the prison or we're in the palace. You see, Joseph's life, especially when you remember he's flesh and blood, he's human like us, that his life reflected a life of contentment. And see, it's, it, some of us may find it difficult to be content when we're abased, when we're living in very humble situations. But I'm not sure if it's not more difficult to be content when you've succeeded. I've been looking at Joseph's life, like I said, and been studying through it. And, you know, especially when Joseph finally reaches the pinnacle of power, to know that he was content at that point. I mean, it's kind of like he has everything, everything just at his fingertips. And to think of all the things he could do and all the people he could get back at, all the people on his little list, as we talked about last Wednesday night, all the things he could have done, and yet you still see contentment. As I've prepared before for premarital counseling, I always read this article called The Twelve Marriage Killers by Dr. Dobson. So when I go through premarital counseling with um, people, I always refresh my memory, read back through it. And Dr. Dobson some years ago said that failure does bad things to people, especially men, but sometimes success is even more destructive than failure. And again, for men in particular. You know, it is. His words are true. That sometimes we can't handle failure. A lot of times we can't handle success. What Paul says is through Christ Jesus. I've been able to be content in both. That's a challenge for us. To be able to say, yes, I'm joyful, but also I'm content. I'm content in him. And I keep saying in Jesus because look at verse 13. You remember this verse, right? This is one that you committed to memory some time ago. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So often we take that verse and we use it out of context to just simply say, hey, that means we can do anything through Christ. That's what we... I mean, you'll see it printed. And No offense if some of you got it printed on your sports teams or that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to offend you whatsoever, but I'm just telling you, that's not what the Scripture was supposed to be speaking about. I learned a long time ago, even though I know Christ, there are some things I still can't do. I thought about playing in the NBA. I mean, it would if I, did, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me just tell you what. Christ is in me and He strengthens me. I can never play in the NBA. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But you see, that's the way we take these verses oftentimes. We take something like that and say, hey, it says we can do... No, 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 no. Look at the context. The context is Paul says, I can face any situation. I can be content whether it's in the good moments or the most difficult moments. And the reason I can do that is because it is Jesus Christ who strengthens me, who goes on strengthening me in my life. That's the message of the Scripture. It is not that you can go out and and somehow perform every physical feat that you think you can. 
It is that God will give you the spirit of joy and contentment in no, no matter what the situation or circumstance. God can give you that if you can rely upon him. If you're over in Rome and you're in prison, God can give you contentment. If you're out planting churches in Philippi or Corinth or wherever, God can give you contentment. It doesn't matter where you are. Christ Jesus can strengthen you in those moments. So let me give you the third one very quickly because I promised you I'd get through early. Number three, I'm grateful. Now you heard that a little bit in verse 10. But look at the way he comes back in verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared my distress. Hear, hear this word to them. He says to the Philippian church, Hey, I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful. I, I know it took you a little time, and I know things kind of happened. You didn't have the opportunity to minister to me, but you sent Epaphroditus, and he, he was here, and he ministered. Look, thank you for sharing in this affliction with me. I'm grateful. You know, we can be joyful in difficult moments. We can be content in difficult moments. But I hope we can be grateful in difficult moments, especially when the people of God come around us and help us through and share those distressful times. How blessed are we when we have a people of God, a family, that we can share with? In our times of trial and temptation. How grateful Paul must have been that he could write to the Philippians. And yes, to encourage them in unity and thank. But how blessed he must have been to know that, again, that they were thinking of him and praying for him and trying to help him while he was going through this time of Roman imprisonment. He was just grateful for them. May we always demonstrate our gratitude to our brothers and sisters who go through these trials and temptations with us. And may we be willing to share those trials and temptations with our brothers and sisters so that they can take the load and that they they can move together for the kingdom's purposes. I am grateful for people through so many different churches that I've served People who were there during tough times. And I know you are too. May we be grateful. Not, again, caught up in our own pity party moments, but simply grateful for those who have reached out and who have been there to share in the trials. Three statements. Can you make them? I'm joyful. I'm content. I'm grateful. Three life-giving statements, powerful statements that can direct our lives into the path of light and righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you tonight, and uh, we do praise you. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, tonight I pray that you would allow us to make those statements. I pray that you would restore joy to those of us who have lost it, I pray that you would, Lord, help us to be content in failure and success. I pray that you would help us to be grateful to our brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray this now in Jesus' name.